Welcome back to the Sunday Show. I'm Rudy Cyrus. I hope you're well. Thanks for joining me. So let's get this straight. We're calling this Project Snake Eyes, this episode, and I hope you understand why. I began the last show by asking this question. When is a gift not a gift? Okay, that was the question. So at what point do you understand the answer? When it's too late, it would seem. Uh, I had a minimum amount of knowledge about anything with regards to what was going to happen at the beginning of the week. The planned project big picture made its way to the ears of the nation, to the supporters, to the fan base and to the radio stations and newspapers and everything else. Project big picture, or as I prefer to call it, project snake eyes, you know see but not necessarily see things clearly. The project itself which appears to be headed up by the ever so helpful owners of Manchester United and other co-conspirators was about changing the shape and the face of football as football fans in the UK know it. So and I use you know the ever so helpful phrase for Manchester United for a particular reason. You say why am I hard on the owners of Manchester United? Well you know, I will be frank with you. I am one of the many Manchester United fans and I know firsthand how they only care about making money for themselves. They are only interested in taking money out of something that they are involved in for themselves and that they are only involved in things when someone else's money is used to increase their stake and their power and make more money for themselves. So when you see Manchester United owners involved in something which is going to change the shape of English football, you have to pause for a moment and think that cannot be right. So I'm making it clear from the outset, this is my opinion. Okay, it's not necessary what everyone else believes, but this is my opinion. So when you hear from American owners, American for both Manchester United and Liverpool, and the others who are involved at Arsenal probably sneakily involved in those conversations, that American owners have gathered together to save English Football League, it just doesn't sound right, and it just doesn't add up. It just doesn't. So at the start of last week, the details of the Big Six and their plan unfolded in the press, promoted by the ever-so-helpful Rick Parry from the EFL, the English Football League, it was seen as the shining light for those teams in need and those clubs in financial darkness. This will be the plan. The plan was believed to help the Football League in their hour of need, in their time of need in this coronavirus, where fans are unable to go to games, when there are, there are cash-strapped clubs desperate, desperate to make ends meet with players who have got their you know families and mortgages and everything else to contend with school fees probably all of those things so when you look at the details of the plan which were you know outlined in one of the newspapers one the many newspapers but one that i looked at was the daily mirror the first point of the plan which stood out was the amount of money uh, which would be offered to the Football League and the 72 clubs, right? So the amount of money that would be offered, huge amount, the huge sum of £250 million, 
right? This figure, you know, is deemed by those in the big six suitable amount of money to bail out these clubs, right? The 72 clubs, 250 million. When you have a Premier League club that can buy one player for 90 million pounds or reportedly try and buy another player for a hundred million pounds, pounds plus add-ons. Are we really saying? Are we? Are we in the position where we can truly believe that offering two hundred and fifty million for seventy-two clubs is good enough? From the from the two two teams who have spent considerable amount of money on players, one club who who began to furlough their staff at the beginning of this pandemic and then due to, you know, public opinion changed their mind. That they can now say that they are, they are coming to the rescue of the other 72 clubs. These two clubs with American owners, 200, is that what we're saying? You know, that's the question I'm posing to everyone. You know, for me, it doesn't make sense. And I'll say to the answer, of course not. It doesn't make sense. And it's not what we should be agreeing to. And it should, it's not what the club should be agreeing to. But, but because they are in very difficult situation, they may. So throughout the week, whether it's Monday to Friday, you name it, the day, the hour, the outcry from the journalists, the outcry from uh, certain supporters of the football world, um, they created enough noise, enough of a wave for the project planners to climb down for a moment, for a moment, climb down. But we all know they'll be back because, you know, as, it, as they say in a particular film and in football, greed is good. Greed is good. And there is greed in football. Greed in football is commonplace. It goes side by side with the dialogue of the game. The dialogue of the game isn't necessarily anything to do with fans. In fact, football sees fans not necessarily as fans, but more as addicts or users. People that they can go to time and time again, who will not complain, who will want their fix, and who will pay the money because they're desperate to get that feeling. You know, that's what it is, side by side. You know, this isn't necessarily the case for every supporter. This isn't necessarily the case for every football fan. This isn't the case, you know, some football fans are measured. Some have a point, uh, uh, um, an opinion, a point of view. But for this thing, you know, this thing that reared its head this week, considering how many weeks that football league clubs, we've seen clubs go out of business, we've seen clubs pushed to the wall. The talk about getting fans back on side, getting them in the ground so clubs in need can generate some cash. This is the best plan. The devious plan that they come up with to say that we'll only give you 250 millions over 72 clubs. I mean, seriously? That's the best you can do considering the amount of money awash in the game already I mean you know that even floated the you know pay-per-view pay 15 pounds on top of 
a subscription fee that you're already paying for for a game that you can never get to to watch on TV, £15. This project, big picture, stroke, aka Snake Eyes, is a takeover. Plain and simple. It's a takeover of the football family in a way that just doesn't seem right. Or very sporty. You know, um, it is it is a very short term approach. It is a short changing approach, and it's wrapped up in a grease proof paper with that we're really trying to help you. But it's really a power grab, and it can it can only be seen as a power grab. Control moving, control moving from one era of football to the top clubs in the Premier League who have done very little to help any of the other clubs in the in the football family. They want to control the voting rights on, on any potential rule changes in the future, which will benefit them, no doubt, because obviously they're in control and they know what they're doing. Then there is the proposed overhaul of the League Cup that some clubs, the lower league clubs, rely upon in terms of finances throughout the year, that they have a good cup run so it can keep them afloat and keep them going. They want to remove the community shield. Why? So it can make way for a European game that fans have to pay more money for. Is that is that it? Why would you remove the community shield? It's been there forever. Before it was called, it was called something else. It's been there, part of the English game. The foundations of the sport within this country. This is what I don't understand. A country in the political sense that has moved away from the rest of the world is now letting America talk about how it can change the football structures of the country because they know best. I don't get it. You wouldn't mind if the changes were, you know, and they were going to offer some commitment to reduce season tickets for fans or to, to end compulsory purchase of FA Cup ticket games like Manchester United do. Or to end compulsory purchase for Champions League games if you can't get to them, like Manchester United do. You know, but we don't live in a world where fans are considered. We don't live in a world where fans are considered in that way. They weren't part of the discussion. They weren't part of the uh, process in terms of decision making. They are at the end of it. And, you know, we might get as a fan or a supporter a new key ring and a pen you know, to put in the, the, the jar next to the books that we never use. But that's about it. So that's the world we live in, in this big project picture. At a time when football really needs to be wholesome, um, attainable, reachable, they want to move it away from the fan base they say they are so desperately keen to stay in touch with. Bonkers. But wait a moment, Did I, there is one thing in the plan. There is one thing in the plan that they said they, uh, they there was mention that the away tickets, like anyone's going to football anytime soon, but you know, hey, go figure, that away tickets would be capped at £20. Surely, Rodney, this is a good thing, right? It is. Yes. Well, it could be. It could be. When football returns and having away tickets capped at £20, it could be a very good thing. But when you look at the plan 
in detail and you look for keywords like could or will, when something has the word could in it, it indicates that that certain statement might not have much validity and meaning and should certain plans come to fruition that those statements will simply change or just simply disappear. So when you talk about it could cap away tickets, could, you know, big word that, could, not sure, can't commit, but we want to change football. We want to change it and make it better for you guys. We're only going to give you 250 million. You know, it's not that we, 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 we definitely give you that and more. We, you, you, you get that. But we could cap, we could, to £20. Why are you capping uh, uh, tickets for away games at £20 when the powers that be in this big six are trying to sell pay-per-view games for £15? Hello? Is anybody there? That doesn't make sense. In this big picture, right, within the newspaper, the details of it, is also mention of uh, supporting women's football and a women's football league, a new league with financial support. This sounds good, promising, I like it. Hold on, beware, beware. You know, let's just, just roll back a bit. I say of, of, of certain things like, beware of those offering fake gifts. When is a gift not a gift? Posed the question right at the beginning, mentioned it previously. When is a gift not a gift? When it's, it, it has the illusion of hope for the future. And, and, and this is my opinion, this, you know, from what I've read. You know, for one, I thought we already had a Women's Football League, WSL, check, that's in place. Uh, so when you read things like this, you think, I'm really surprised at them, them wanting to create a, a, a women's women's league, women's football, new league, you know. But when you talk about the original two, you know, co-conspirators, I'm using that very strong term, uh, Manchester United and Liverpool, uh, knowing that they want to support women's football is 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 extremely nice to hear, because these two teams have been at the forefront of supporting women's football for many many times, many many years. Both of these clubs are owned by American owners. And because they're American owners, they should know everything there is to know about supporting football, both men and women, right? They should know. I mean, America, you've only got to look at the American US team. Women's football is right at the forefront of it. They're, you know, they're World Cups. They're, they've got all the star players. Everyone knows about the, the, the US national team for women. Obviously, you would expect Manchester United and Liverpool with American owners to want to create that, you know, of course, why not? But let's be clear, everyone who is a supporter of women's football in this country knows that Liverpool club have done nothing in terms of supporting their women's team. They haven't given them anything, they haven't given them enough resources at all, nothing. And as for Manchester United, well, the, the owners turned up. There was a women's team. They closed it down. They said it was not part of their business plan. They're Americans, but they, they didn't want to promote women's football. Like, I'm sure, hello? Hello? That doesn't make sense. But, you know, hey, now they've, you know, put on a cloak. They've got an S on their chest and they're, you know, they're going to help save the game. They're going to change it and make it a better world. 
right. You know, go figure. Um, I speak from a position of knowledge. Being a Manchester United fan, it ain't true. Whatever they're offering, it's not true. You know, um, this is where people start to throw smoke bombs. The illusion of change. The illusion of help. It's a power grab, plain and simple. And once the dust and the smoke has cleared, people will find out where they are and where they stand. And this was the, 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 the conversation throughout the week. This was the, the drip, drip appeal of this project, big picture, the supposed, you know, horse, white horse, the stallion. I'm trying to think of a phrase that something that Boris would use, but it doesn't come to mind. You know, so as the week moved from day to day, right, last week, and the wave of criticism continued, right, they, the Premier League clubs, who were all for it, we know they were for it, because that plan would never have seen the light of day and come out in press if they weren't, suddenly voted against it. They suddenly realised, whoop, best not do that. They either sensed that it was too much in terms of heat for them, or... The alternative view is they simply put it out just to test the waters and see this is what we want to do. Let's get the reaction. You know, pretty much like, you know, number 10 doing policy briefings on Twitter. Let's test the waters. Information drip feed through social media platforms. Dampen down any complaint, right? So you can look at it that way. And once you drip feed information, which is bad and you know it's not going to go well, you then get to see the unseen problems that you hadn't actually considered when you proposed your plan and then therefore you will actually address them as you go forward. That's what you will see. So, you know, and it makes sense if that was the case because you, you want to be able to know the argument of your opponent or your fan base before you truly implement your battle plan or your way forward or your help, whatever you want to call it. So, as the days moved on and the week progressed, the Premier League clubs, you know, they understood that they this needed to be taken off the table and they voted against it for now because obviously it's an agenda item and it can come back. It will come back. They need to ensure that there is a certain level of support for their fan base, one and all. You know, they need to see this. What you want to see, you know, with such a plan is that there is financial transparency or financial accountability to be part of the deal and those two key phrases were highlighted in a tweet from Maggie Murphy I do like Maggie she's on point you know she's she's her, her tweets are very precise I do like Maggie but and what she's saying is absolutely right you want to see financial transparency and accountability from especially the Glazers because hey you know Manchester United fans they know they bought the club and the club is in more debt than it was when they actually bought the club so pff, go figure you got these two clubs, especially the Glazers, talking about we're going to help football in the UK. Right. Good one. Let's go there with that. But along with Maggie's tweet in there, there needs to be a, a new age in terms of discussion and those at the table. Was there, because uh, let, let's be honest, 2020, is, we've seen a lot of things, we've seen a lot of changes. There's a lot of talk about diversity and inclusion. Uh, were there any diverse voices? in the big picture proposal. How many diverse voices were at the table considering the points uh, put forward? How many female voices were there? How many BAME voices were in this meeting? Hmm? Interesting, I'd like to know. It's highly unlikely 
that there were any diverse voices in, in any conversation with relation to this, any. So when we look at the two clubs involved that are at the forefront who were named, what's really been apparent on social media for me is the silence from the fan base, particularly of Manchester United and Liverpool, you know, in terms of condemnation. There's hardly been anything, it's not been visible. There's been hardly any condemnation at all, any lack of condemnation about these clubs at the forefront of changing football. So I'm changing the name of the big project, big picture all the time. The big project trick, I'm calling it everything right now because you know, what it did and what it has demonstrated is that it, it's it's gone to a certain level where it's played on a divide and conquer routine. Uh, using tribal baseline approach, you know, usually occupied by supporters, you know, Let's get the two big clubs out there and see what their fan base say. Well, so far, nothing. So far, nothing. The fan base haven't necessarily said anything. Um, you know, these clubs believe that their fan base will stick by them regardless, right? Especially when it comes about changing football because people are like, oh, we're not sure what we're talking about here. Let's be clear, you know, and they're probably right. They're probably right. It's a, a very rare thing for a fan to love football more than they love their team. So it's very much that, you know, this has been a tribal decision. Let's go down the road. We'll take the two most popular clubs in the country. What will their fan base say? Dip our toe in. You know, and I have to say, I'm not surprised that there's been hardly any mention from some of the Manchester United fans as to the Glazers being at the forefront of making football more equitable for lesser clubs in the UK, in the football pyramid, in the football family. Um, you know, I, from a personal point of view, from what I've seen and read, I know I love football more than I love the team I support. That's what I realised. You know, it's come, maybe it's an age thing, but I realised I love football more than I love the team that I support. And some will think that's a really horrible statement to make, but for me, it's a bold statement because I love watching football. And I, I started to watch football first before I fell in love with Manchester United, but I love football more than I love the team I support. So with regards to fans, who speaks up for the fans? Who will speak up for the fans and supporters on this issue? Well, over the week, obviously, as the news was released, a certain group organization did just this. The position was filled in terms of advocacy by the Football Supporters Association, the FSA for short. And they issued a number of strong statements um, when the initial proposal was aired and following up on that. And I dare say that they will keep their finger on the pulse as the months move on from season to season because this proposal will probably come back. The key section of the FSA support, or should I say the statement, goes as follows. And this is, the, for me, one of the key sections. Uh, we will, of course, study the detail of the new proposal. We remain open-minded to any suggestions for the improvement of the governance and organisation of the game, whatever their source. And we will continue to engage constructively in all discussions around reform. 
We would, however, emphasize that in our discussion so far, very few of our members have ever expressed the view that what football really needs is a greater concentration of power in the hands of the, of the should I, let me be clear, big six billionaire owned clubs, end quote. Uh, and I think that is, as well as worded and um, as neutral as it could possibly be, it, it rams home quite clearly what everyone can see with regards to this proposal in terms of the big project or big picture project, whatever you want to call it. This is and will be seen as a power grab when it is, and it's seen as a power grab when clubs, when it's hard for clubs to, to stay afloat and say no. You know, you, you offer help at a time when someone is extremely weak in terms of their own financial position. You know, as they say, greed is good. You know, and uh, when you read the statement from the FSA and you read the information uh, outlined in the press, wherever you want to find it and the details, although although now that the Premier League have you know voted against it, you know what it is is it details. You know, I know of a, a saying from a friend, and he would say uh, quite clearly in times like this. If you dine with the devil, ensure that you have a long spoon, because at some point he will ask you for a favour. So technically, technically saying, this is uh, if you take favours or seek help from someone that you don't necessarily trust or believe, make sure that when you are seating uh, yourself to, to eat, that you are at the end of a very long table or in another location altogether. Football, uh, generally, is a word. When you say football, it means everyone. When you say football, it means everyone. It's one word which means inclusion. It means us. It means together. It means a community, football. And a community is a family. You take care of one another, not exploit. Not use, not diminish, not demean. Um, you know, this period of sport when so many people are talking to the government about we need fans back inside we need to do this we need to do that we need to ensure that the game is taken care of that the Premier League clubs have, been, have ensured that they are taken care of and um, they haven't looked behind and if this is an attempt to say that they're looking behind to help it isn't necessarily help in the form that they would want not that kind of help um, leaving that aside because we spent a lot of time talking about this, or I have. This week, of course, there has been um, football-based action around Europe, uh, and the nations have got together, they kicked a ball across a, some some grass, and uh, scored some goals. But I've got to be, I've, I have to confess, uh, in terms of uh, the England games or the England game, uh, I have never been to an England game, nor have I ever had the desire to go and watch. England play. Um, I speak from the heart as a person of colour. It has never felt like an experience that I wanted to feel, nor has it been attractive in a way that some sports pull you in. And I love football. It's really strange that, you know, so I say that and I'm not thinking, no, nah, 
It's, maybe it's a history thing for me. Anyway, away from the uh, international games when the nations were playing one another, um, one thing which did jump out in the week, uh, away from all of the greed, there was some glory. Jurgen Klopp uh, demonstrated again why people like him so much and really want to be his friend. He found time to write to a young boy aged 11 who was experiencing uh, periods of anxiety. He wrote a personal letter. So the boy received a personal letter from Jurgen. Um, and, 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 and any football supporter who would receive uh, a letter from the manager of a club that they support or, or, or not will be happy, especially Jurgen Klopp. He is uh, quite rightly seen as one of the, the nicest managers in football. And uh, for this young boy, it's, it's a priceless piece of his history, but you know, something that he can think about. And in the letter, um, Jurgen shared how he had felt anxious at, at, at times in his life and how he had used it in a positive way um, to help him move forward and, and kind of go through the projects or or, or the day-to-day -day things that he needed to contend with. So really nice to see that from Jurgen Klopp and so pleased for a young 11-year-old to, to experience that kind of a joy and a personal touch in a world where football, you can no longer be with one another in terms of fans and supporters and the big six clubs seem to be doing their level best to be moving away from fans altogether. Uh, but I will well, say this thing, it, with regards to what we talked about at the beginning and at the end, imagine for a moment if Project Big Picture was coming from the mind of Jurgen Klopp. Imagine. It would definitely look much more appealing and it would definitely have a truly inclusive feel. Right, that's it for today. Uh, this is The Sunday Show. I'm Rodney Cyrus. I'm out of here. I'll see you guys next week. Bye for now. Thank you.